Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Senseworth. Today's episode, we're going to talk about what I'm calling Shoegate, Zion Williamson's shoe exploding in the Duke-Carolina game. Spring training starting, so to me, obviously, that's uh, very important, as you know, you listen. I try and talk about baseball every single opportunity that I get on this podcast. Uh, Manny Machado signing, where will Bryce Harper land, some of the remaining free agents, and uh, some interesting storylines around them and potentials of where they might go, or where I would like to see them go, or you know, those types of things. Um my, one of my favorite beers by one of my favorite breweries, if you also haven't been listening, but Old Mac released Frubach. It is their spring beer, so it is right around the corner. Spring is right around the corner, and that's what uh, it really excites me because I'll be talking a little bit about the weather here in uh, what is normally sunny Charlotte, North Carolina, and it has been anything but. And then the uh, the final thing I want to wrap up with is uh, old Bobby Kraft, old Robert Kraft, the owner of the Patriots, getting busted for a little rub and tug. So uh, I'll give my thoughts on that. So let's dive into it. Okay, here we go. So, Shoegate. So, first thing I wanted to cover is Zion Williamson, his Nike shoe, 30 seconds into by far one of the best, if not the best, rivalry in all of sports, Duke-Carolina men's basketball. It is such a hyped-up game. The tickets were going for Super Bowl prices. Everyone wants to see this This polarizing figure in Zion Williamson play for this Duke team that is number one in the country against their bitter rival who's eighth in the country and 30 seconds into the game he puts a hard pivot on and his shoe explodes so there's a lot of conversation now around this uh, topic per se Um, and you know I, I have my opinions on it and I'll give those and if you have different opinions I'd love to hear them but um immediately when that happens immediately the media obviously gets a hold of it and some players and nba players get a hold of it and um and they start giving their opinion on it and i would say the media is 50 50 and then uh there's only a couple players that have really come out boogie cousins is the one that really talked about it and saying that basically college is bullshit uh, which I thought is kind of funny um, because he did spend one year at Kentucky. So for him, he, he feels like it was just basically a waste of time, but it was something he had to do in order to go into the NBA. Um, and, you know, there's a, a lot of argument around the NCAA and how much money they make off these kids and they never see anything of it. And, you know, that's a whole separate topic conversation. I think that's also another reason why uh, some of these players that are the one-and-dones feel like it is kind of bullshit and that, you know, they, they're there just to be a cash cow for the university. Um, and again, like I said, a whole other argument around that. So I, what I wanted to cover, though, is 
Zion and the shoe breaking and, and what that means for what that meant or means to, for Nike, uh, as well as Duke and Zion and where do where do all these three go? So with that shoe exploding, uh, Nike execs flew out to Duke to talk to Coach K which I'm sure is basically them coming in and making sure that they're protecting their asset, which is Duke University basketball and the contract that they have with the university and making sure that their competitors, Adidas, Under Armour, Puma, don't call or or don't get in um, and and take that contract away uh, because it is a very competitive landscape and Nike is the, the top echelon, but Under Armour, Adidas, and Puma, and basketball in particular, um, want that piece of the market as well. And so I guarantee you that same day, those, those reps that represent those other, uh, apparel companies were calling Duke university and trying to get on the phone with coach K as well, letting them know that their shoe wouldn't do that. Um, but what I did read is that, and saw was that he was wearing a Paul George shoe. And so you think about Paul George and you think about Zion Williamson. So, uh, Zion is, what do we say he is? He's 6'8", 280, right? Um, and so he's more of your LeBron James type build, right? Big, muscular, you think of like somebody, he has more of like a tight end in football body. So making cuts like that in a shoe that's made for Paul George might not be the right fit for a player of that stature. And, and what I saw and heard was that they were saying Nike should have known better when they're fitting these players and should have put him in the LeBron James Nike shoe and not the Paul George shoe. Because if you look at Paul George, same height, he's 6'9", but he's 220 pounds. So in basketball, especially in basketball, 60-pound 60 di- 60 difference, that is huge. That is a big difference for for. A player and Paul George, you you look at him and at six nine he's more lean and and then you put him next to Zion and Zion six eight and add sixty pounds. I mean that is a bigger muscular dude, and that's a lot of weight to be putting into a shoe, moving it back and forth and making cuts like that. So I thought it was very interesting that you know Nike obviously has LeBron James and then they also have Paul George and he's in a Paul George shoe. Why wouldn't you put him in a LeBron James shoe? I'll, I'll probably never get that answer, but I thought it was a very interesting topic of conversation there because, excuse me, that body type is exact exactly what LeBron James is. So why wouldn't you put him in that? And why would you put him in a shoe that's built for a body type more so like an R.J. Barrett who's on the team, not Zion? And what I was also told, I had lunch with uh, Matt yesterday, and he was saying that Zion hadn't really changed out his shoe in the last couple games. So, I mean, he's wearing that shoe out. So it wasn't like it was the first game he was wearing that shoe. I thought he was wearing that shoe for the first time, and in 30 seconds that thing blows out. I mean, that's a major issue if that was the case, which I, I, it might be. I don't know. I, I haven't really gone on to see how, how many games he had been wearing that shoe, but uh, 30 seconds into the game and for it to do that. I mean, not only did the leather rip, but also the rubber underneath the sole ripped. I mean, that is, it, it exploded. Like if you go and look at the pictures, it exploded. So from there, 
take the Nike aspect of it. Supposedly, what I've what I've saw and everything is that obviously their stock got hit, and in total, because of this issue, they have lost a billion dollars over the last week or so, uh, with their stock going down and and what else. So this is a billion dollar issue. National television, President Obama's at the game, Super Bowl price tickets, you know, two thousand to five thousand dollars to go see this game, and within thirty seconds, the most polarizing figure on that court, the pe- the reason people were going to see this game, doesn't play because a Nike shoe rips apart. Billion dollars off of that, a billion dollars. It's insane. Just think of the impact that a, one player has on a company, and on an industry. And he's not even a professional. Wild. So, obviously then things start spinning. And a lot of stories start coming up. And so in the media, it was a 50-50 of he should sit out the rest of the year or he should play. I'm on the boat of I think he should play. And I think, and again, I I don't know him, but just seeing his competitive drive and seeing him I watched the game last night against Syracuse and how much he was into the game. I don't think he's going to want to sit out. I think he wants to be out on that court and and, and playing with that that team that he has and and being a part of um, what could be a special run in the tournament. And and I think he's that type of player that is going to go out and come back and play. Um, I I could be wrong, but that is my opinion. There, I think Zion is that type of competitor that he's going to want to go back on that court. Now it is a Grade one sprain, so it wasn't. It's supposedly not that big of a sprain, and he was even a potential to play last night against Syracuse. I mean, he's still listed day to day, but he traveled with the team. He was there, but he he didn't suit up. Um, so I'm leaning towards the fact that he is going to come back and he's going to play. Because here's the other part of the argument that I have is that everyone's saying, "Well, he's going to sit out. He should sit out. He should sit out. He should protect himself for the money, the money, the money, the money." But at the same time, it is. It is the just the where we are in this age of it is all about the money, which is a shame because it should be about the the game and why you went to Duke and and you know what the purpose of it was and it was to go and win a national championship and he still has that opportunity and I think that's why he is going to go back and and play. Um, but the argument is, well, no, he should sit out, protect himself, and protect his draft stock because. You know, he right now is the number one overall pick. And with that, he's going to get an X amount of money. And if he goes and continues to, if he goes back out and plays and he gets hurt, his draft stock could potentially drop. And it did come out that he has an $8 million insurance policy on himself. So if he does get hurt and he drops below the 16th pick, that $8 million insurance policy kicks in to where he can get that $8 million to make up for the lost wages that he would have potentially gotten if he was the number one through 15 pick. Um, so there is that still. So there's that piece of it. But here's the other thing. For that argument of, well, he should sit out. Let me tell you something. If it was the beginning of the year and he got hurt and it was a more serious type of injury, I would say absolutely sit out. Like Kyrie Irving, Kurt, Kyrie Irving did years ago for Duke. Got hurt, sat out, you know, didn't really play that many games, came back towards the tournament, tried to make a run, whatnot. This happened late in the year. He's played the entire season. It's not a serious knee injury. It is something that he could certainly sit out the remaining games of the season if he wanted to and then come back for the ACC tournament and the NCAA tournament and play. Because the other thing is is that you have to remember, just because he's going to sit out, 
if he was to sit out, he's not going to stop playing basketball. He's not going to stop going out on the court and playing pickup games or or practicing and doing all of that stuff to stay sharp. He's not going to stop that. So who's to say that he's not going to get hurt doing that as well? So uh, the argument of, oh, he should sit out and he should protect himself, it's not like in football where these guys don't play their bowl game because they're trying to protect their draft stock. These are basketball players. Like, you don't go and play a pickup football game full pads, right? Like, But you can go and play a pickup basketball game, and you're more likely to get hurt doing that than you would be playing in the game, in, in a regular game for your team. So my opinion is I think he should come back. I think he, he should play and finish what he started, and I think he is that type of guy that he will. Now, I think what Coach K is going to do after watching that game against Syracuse last night, they won by 10. I think that he can certainly um, ease his ease him back as long as these other guys pick up where Zion was, was leaving off. So RJ had a really great game last night. Um, Alex O'Connell had a great game for a guy that hadn't gotten a lot of playing time over the last couple games, um, kind of a rotational guy. He came in and played really well and, and helped lead Duke with RJ to a win, and, and so did uh, LaFourier. So, you know, these other guys can step up while Zion's out. And again, while, like I said, have him sit out the remaining of this games of the season. Now, if he does want to play against Carolina in the last game of the year, I say, you know, if that's something that you could shoot for, certainly go for it because, you, you know, your remaining games are Virginia Tech, which will be a tough game. They're good. Uh, but you have Wake and... Um, I think there's some other ranked teams. There's four games left. So you get Wake. I saw it last night. Wake, Carolina, Virginia Tech, and somebody else. So there's there's that. So, again, my opinion, I think he should play and, and come back. Uh, I'd love to see what you guys think, so just let me know. As always, hit me up on Instagram, text me. Most of you will do that. But if you don't have my number, hit me up on Instagram. Give me your opinion on it. Um, so let's go into spring training because I'm sitting here watching a game right now, which I couldn't be happier about. I love when spring training starts. It means to me that warm weather is just right around the corner. Um, we are only a couple weeks away officially from spring. And when you watch spring training, it's in Arizona and Florida. You see the warm weather. You see where everything's at. And and it just means, like, the, the, the sunshine's coming. Daylight savings time is coming. It's going to be longer days. It's just going to be more enjoyable. Like, I'm just a happier person in spring and summer than I am certainly late fall, winter. I, I just don't – I don't like <clears throat> getting home from work or picking up the kids, and it's dark already. Like, it's it just – it's almost a – state of depression because for me i wake up at 4 4 30 in the morning so i wake up when it's pitch black and then i get everything done for the day or get everything started for the day to get the day going get the kids to school get to work work <laughs> come home get the kids home from school you know me and my wife get dinner ready do whatever after hours activities for the kids swim t-ball whatever it is and it's dark so like i live my life in the winter time in the dark and it's just it's ter terrible, and the weather here has been absolutely atrocious. I mean, the whole United States really has just been crazy, um, just how bad it's been. With In the northwest, my brother in Seattle has been getting hammered with snow. In the northeast, they're getting hammered with snow. The southwest is dealing with a 
shit ton of rain over the last couple of weeks. The Southeast, just like us, has been getting hit with a shit ton of rain. Like, I have... It's sunny this afternoon. It's Sunday afternoon. The... What's today? The 24th? What is today? I don't even know what fucking day it is. Yeah, the 24th. And for the first time in, I feel like, two weeks, the sun is out. But I can't even let the kids go outside and play because the backyard is fucking flooded, basically. It's just a fucking marsh back there. Um, So I'm done with the winter. I'm fucking sick of it. I want spring to come around. I'm excited for spring. Spring training is back. That means spring is right around the corner. Also, when I know spring is right around the corner, I've mentioned it before. talk about Old Mac all the time. Um, great brewery if you live here in Charlotte or if you're coming and visiting, go and check out Old Mac. But they've released their spring beer, and it's Frubach. And it's it of all their beers, it is my favorite beer. Uh, I broke my uh, rule, my goal for the last couple weeks, which was no drinking during the week unless I'm traveling for work. Um, and I saw Frubach in the grocery store, and I had to get it. And I think I had I had a beer on Wednesday night, so I broke my I broke my rule. Um, but at the same time. It was worth it because it's such a good beer. And again, it reminds me of spring because it's their spring release. So I highly suggest that you go and get that and you'll enjoy it. I promise. Um, So again, spring, it's almost here. Also, we're going to stick with a lot of baseball news today. So if you guys, if you don't want to hear baseball news, Thomas Lee, you can exit right now. Okay. Because we're going to keep getting into it. All right. Next, Manny Machado signing. So the two big free agents all year, and if you've heard this podcast for weeks upon weeks, I have been talking about it. I was talking about it in December, talking about how they were going to sign at the new year. And then it was, well, then they're going to wait till the Super Bowl. Well, now it is the end of February, and Bryce Harper and Manny Machado were still unsigned. Well, this week, Manny Machado signed with what a lot of people for a while thought was the Dark Horse team because the Padres were not a team anybody was really talking about. He hadn't met with them until he, over the last couple of weeks where they really came out, and he, he, the teams he met with were the White Sox, the Phillies, and the Yankees. And the White Sox were, I think as far as I'm aware, were the only ones that actually provided an offer, um, which they thought was going to be you know, a no-brainer. He was going to sign it. And out of nowhere, the San Diego Padres came out, gave a, it had to have been a hell of a pitch, and he got what he wanted. He got 10 years, and he got $300 million. And after five years, he can opt out of the contract. And in baseball, you have a lot of guaranteed money. So it's not like basketball or football. You know, these guys get a lot of guaranteed money. So he, he's going to have guaranteed money up front. What that is, I don't, I'm not going to get into the details of the contract to bore you all, but if you want to look it up, you can certainly look it up. But after five years, he can opt out. So if San Diego doesn't flourish and, and prosper and he, he, it's like he's playing for Baltimore again and after five years he can leave and at that point in time he'll be 31 he'll still be should be in his, in the prime of his career um, and then go and sign another contract somewhere maybe a four or five year contract somewhere with with another team um, because I think he's that he's that type of player that I think he uh, is that good that another contract somewhere else mid-30s he'll still be very productive now you have Bryce Harper, which I was very surprised though by the Padres. But if you think about it, they have Eric Hosmer, they have Will Myers, and now they have Manny Machado. I mean, they have some decent hitters, some decent players. 
Ian Kinsler signed with them. So you have these guys that are veterans mixed in with a lot of prospects and younger players. So their payroll is still very low. I, I saw somewhere that they their payroll is still so low that they could still sign Harper for a 10-year, $300 million deal. That's that's pretty wild to me if you, if you think about it. They could, they could go out and be one of the teams that could actually go get Harper and Machado. Now, I don't I don't believe they're in for Harper. I think the last two teams really are the Phillies and the Giants, and the Phillies are making a real big push. I saw that the GM or even the owner, I don't know who it was. I want to say it was the GM, flew out to Vegas this week after Machado signed with the Padres, flew out to Vegas to meet with Harper personally. Um to try and make that last push to get him to sign nationals. The owner came out on MLB network. They interviewed him. They said they're out of it, that they've had no conversations with him over the last couple of months and they've moved on. So really I think it's a two horse race. It's, it's the giants and the Phillies. And ultimately I'd like to see him go to the giants. I don't know why I, I, you know, me and my wife honeymoon there in San Francisco, and it's a, I, at the time was a really cool city. I know that they're having some issues now with um, their their policies that they have, but again, we don't talk politics on this show, um, so I don't know what the city's like now. I'm sure it's still beautiful and 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 fine. Um, but we went and saw a Giants game. Really loved that stadium. Kind of always enjoyed watching the Giants on TV. I like that rivalry, the Giants and the Dodgers. Just the California vibes and everything. And then if you think about it, he lives in Vegas. It's a short flight from San Francisco to Vegas for these guys. So he could always go home anytime he wanted to. Whereas if he's out on the East Coast, like he's been his entire career, it's not a quick trip to go home for a weekend or anything like that. Um, so I, don't know, I just kind of want to see him go to the Giants. I don't know why. Maybe I just root for them um, just from a National League side. I'm not sure. They, probably. Um, you know, thinking about it more, it was more so I, I do enjoy just cheering for the the Giants um, when it comes to the National League. Uh, and obviously they, they pose no threat to the Yankees from that perspective. So I do enjoy looking at them and, and, and watch them. So I, I would like to see him sign for the Giants. I think the Phillies are just going to push too hard, and I think they're going to give him some crazy money because now Machado has set the standard. It's 10 years, $300 million. So Harper's going to get at least that, if not more. So I think it is a good thing for Harper that he that Machado did sign first because it's now it's set that standard for him. And it said, okay, well, he got 10 years, $300 million. I want that, or I want more, or I'm not signing. And I think that's where it's going to come, come down to, and I think the Phillies are going to go for it. Now, I did see, though, that if the Phillies don't sign him, then they're going to go out and get Kimbrel, Keuchel, and another one of the last free agents, big-name free agents. The list I'm going to go through here, these guys are very um, well-known players, but they're not your big remaining-name players like Kimbrel and and Keuchel and Harper. Um, But my opinion, I'd like to see him go to the Giants. I think that would be cool to watch him. The one thing, though, Giants Stadium... It is not a hitter's ballpark. That is a pitcher's ballpark. It is a big stadium. Not ideal for left-handed hitters. Uh, so even though Barry Bonds did well, human growth hormone or not, he did well out there. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens over the next couple of weeks. It is a shame, though, I think, for baseball um, as a fan that you have these great free agents still unsigned and spring training has started. I think that is um, – it's not great for baseball to have that now two years in a row. Um, you know, the owners and and whatnot are... 
I don't know what's going on for baseball, but I don't like the status that uh, where things stand and and these big name players not getting signed and. Um, it worries me that it's going to lead to, I think, the next year or two, the the agreement between the union and Major League Baseball is up. So I worry that this could lead to a strike because pay, obviously, is a big piece of it. And when you have owners that are, you know, holding closer to their their uh, wallets and uh, checkbooks, it is a little concerning that, you know, could baseball be heading towards a, a strike? I really hope not, um, but as a fan, that's something you certainly need to worry about. And when you see the state of the game where it is right now, it is a thriving game, in my opinion. Uh, there's a lot of young talent out there. There's a lot of um, excitement for a lot of different teams. And then to see in the off season that these guys are going months without signing, and then spring training starting, and they have no team. I don't like that. I don't like the where where we might be heading. Uh, I saw that. <laughs> I heard that um, Machado had been a free agent longer than he was a Dodger. Isn't that crazy? Think about that. Traded the Dodgers, played in the World Series, and he's been a free agent longer than he has been or was a, a Dodger. But he's staying in California and going down to San Diego to play for them. All right. So wrap that up. I want to see Machado or Harper go to Personally, I want to see him go to the um, <clears throat> San Francisco Giants. All right, so let's get into the most fun and intriguing names on the free agent market. So again, these aren't your big name players. These aren't your Harpers and Keikels and Kimbrels. These are other players that are still out there. And um, you know what? Where you think? Um, I mean, I'm not even going to say where, where I think they're going to go. I think it's just more so the names that are out there and um, be interesting to see where they might land. So if you know baseball, you're going to know these names. Carlos Gomez. So if you know him, he's played for Tampa. He's played for the Brewers. I want to say the Astros as well. I mean, the guy, um, very animated type player. He rubs people the wrong way especially some of his opponents, but he's like a guy that will beat the shit out of the water cooler, um, which he's done multiple times in his career. But his teammates do what I've, what I've read. His teammates really do enjoy him and like him. Uh, they like his energy and, and like his hustle for the game. So it'll be very interesting to see where he goes because um, he's a decent outfielder that can produce. Now he's not going to put up staggering numbers, but he can go out there and, and produce for you. And I think uh, one of these teams is going to pick him up. I think he certainly is going to land somewhere. The next one you definitely will know, and it's and it's the big boy. It's Bartolo Colon. Now, will Bartolo Colon play for a major league team this year? I'd love to know what you think and and if he should. He has been in the league nineteen years, and as a pitcher, that's in, that's incredible he's 45 years old um it says here that the closest guy to him is basically cc sabathia when you look at numbers 
CC Sabathia has pitched 3,470 innings and has 246 wins. Bartolo Colon has pitched 3,461 and two-thirds innings and has 247 wins. I think it'll be really interesting to see if he lands somewhere. I think it'll be pretty, pretty cool to see Bartolo Colon land somewhere. 45 years old and 19 years in the league. Pretty impressive. Uh, Edwin Jackson, another pitcher who's basically played for almost every single team. Uh, I'm looking at this his stats right here, and it says it, <laughs> it would be more efficient to list the teams that Jackson has not pitched for. Red Sox, Yankees, Blue Jays, Indians, Twins, Royals, Astros, Mariners, Rangers, Angels, Mets, Phillies, Reds, Brewers, Pirates, Rockies, Giants. Those are all the teams he hasn't pitched for. Here's the teams that he has pitched for. This guy's been around the damn block. Holy shit. I'd love to know when he got into the league. I remember playing uh, playing MLB baseball on Xbox um, when they used to make MLB. M- MVP? MVP baseball, maybe? I can't remember what it was. But it was it was in college, and, and Edwin Jackson was on there, and he used to throw fucking smoke, like 100 miles an hour on this game. Uh, and I would always pick him up because he was cheap, and you could put him in your rotation and have him like your fourth or fifth starter uh, in the game. But here's who he's played for. A's, Orioles, Padres, Marlins, Braves, Cubs, Nationals, Cardinals, White Sox, Diamondbacks, Tigers, Rays, Dodgers. So one, two... Thirteen teams. The dude has played for thirteen teams in the league. Let's make it fourteen. Let's let's have him land somewhere that he hasn't played before. I'd love to see it. Just keep this guy rolling. Um, one one guy that I would say is a bigger name here, and I'm gonna we're talking about him next. Um, compared to the rest that I've talked about, I think the the rest of the guys are guys that are just kind of on the obviously Bartolo Colon. On the, backside of his career which we thought was years ago um when he when he wasn't even playing in the pros and was playing in the minors and wasn't even playing for anybody for a while uh, but all of a sudden makes a comeback but here's a guy adam jones orioles center fielder for a good while uh all-star caliber type player and yet he's without a team um he was basically the face of the orioles for the mid 2000s um for years and uh well for the orioles which that's just a garbage organization if you cheer for the orioles i feel bad for you because they're just shit um and they're gonna be shit for a long time too. continue to be shit uh he all-star player center fielder productive be interesting to see where he lands um I, I'm I'm almost at the point now to where, with spring training starting, I think a lot of these guys are going to start signing just minor league deals, um, and then work their way back into a major league team, and that just so they can get on someone's roster. And I think he's somebody that would that would do the same thing. I think he unfortunately is at a point now to where again, where we are in the state of baseball, is that he's going to go and sign a minor league deal and then work his way back into a major league club. Matt Holiday, he's out there still, 39 years old. I think if anywhere he might land back with Oakland or the Cardinals, 
you know, two teams that he's played for and was very productive for a while. Maybe they might sign him. I would say maybe mid year if someone gets hurt, and I think that might be it. I think he'll retire after this. Evan Gaddis, another guy. Um, uh, catcher for the Astros and, and for the Braves, productive guy, can hit pretty decent with some power. He's out there. I think somebody that's going to need a bat will pick him up. Um, where I would say more so probably your um, American League team. I don't. I don't know if he's somebody that uh, they're going to want to have as their catcher, even a backup catcher. So I think maybe you're going to look at somebody in the uh, in the American League to sign him. And then the last one on here on this list that I've been going through is Tim Lincecum. Uh, I don't think he's going to get anywhere. Uh, he had last year, he put together a 5.68 ERA in relief with the AAA Round Rock, um, which is the Rangers organization. But uh, the dude was awesome during his prime with the Giants, he was sick. A uh, little guy, and he just, he was a filthy pitcher. So that's the list that I have of some of the interesting names. Like I said, not the most dominant names in, in free agency, but some of the most fun and intriguing names left on the free agent market. So um, be very interesting to see where most of those guys land. Again, I would like to see a lot of these names kind of be wrapped up and signed somewhere. I think it's good for baseball and not a fan of what's happening over the last couple of years where these owners are, again, talking about it. I already mentioned it, holding on to their checkbooks. It's a, it's a dangerous game we're playing that could lead to a strike. And let me tell you, it took a long time for baseball to get back to where it was when they, they went on strike in 94. Um, it took really, in my opinion the summer of Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa, that home run uh, battle that they had to really bring baseball back into favor with a lot of fans. And if they go back into strike again, it could, it could be a very, very dangerous situation that you're going to face um, and an unfortunate thing for the fans because the players want to play. There's no doubt about that. Like the, nobody ever wants to go on strike, but at the same time, when you have unions and, and businesses, it's, it's like anything, right? You're always facing the wages, right? You're always trying to protect you as an individual against the business that you are, you know, supporting basically and making sure that you're getting your fair share of what they are getting from you. Um, and right now you're seeing a divide between owners and the players, especially when it comes to free agency. So let's see where Bryce Harper lands. Let's see where the rest of these guys land. Okay. Last thing that I wanted to talk about, and then I'll wrap up nice little short one. Maybe 40 minutes or so. Shouldn't be too bad. Oh, Robert Kraft, the old, uh, rub and tug Asian, uh, Massage parlor down in Florida gets busted this week that they have him on camera soliciting it multiple times for a nice little happy ending, little little woo-hoo, wrap her up, finish her done. This dude is worth $6 billion, I saw, something like that, 6 or $8 billion. Six to $8 billion, he's got a... I think he's still dating her. Smoke show of a girlfriend. She's 39 years old. He's 70, 70 or 77. Let's look him up. Hold on. 
How old is old Robert Kraft? Well, anyways, I just don't understand. If you're Robert Kraft, why the hell are you going to this little strip mall? $6.6 billion the dude's worth. Why are you going to this strip mall? He's 77 years old. This little strip mall massage parlor in Jupiter, Florida. Like, you know, he is like... If this all is true, which I think it, it is, the FBI is in on this thing, and there's cameras, and it's you know supposedly he's on it, as well as some others that saw. There is uh, like ex CEO of Citigroup is on this list that got busted, and uh, let's look it up real quick. But like as I try and find it, I mean like he is the the epitome of your just creepy old man, like. You're worth $6.6 billion. Like, I don't want to... I'm not saying, like, hey, you need to... You gotta... You should be getting this done to begin with. But, like, dude, don't go to don't go to a fucking strip mall massage parlor. Protect yourself, man. Don't go out in public and try and get that done. Gotta get somebody to come to your house, man. Like... You have the money. Be smart about it. What are you doing? What are all these guys doing? Like, if if this is really true, which, which I keep on saying, if it's really true, it's true. Um, Robert Kraft is a different person after wife's death. Source says amid prostitution scandal. Well, yeah, no shit. Uh, let's see. Uh, 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 uh. Oh man, I saw it the other day and now I can't see who else is on there. But it's like an ex CEO for City and some other guy. I don't know, but obviously Robert Kraft is the one that's all over it. My, my thing is look, man, you want to be a creepy old man, be a creepy old man. You want to, um, you want you want to have that that ending to a massage? Do it behind your own closed doors where you can protect yourself. I'm not I'm not saying that he should have been doing any of this. I think it's kind of fucking gross to begin with. You're you're going to a strip mall massage parlor in Jupiter, Florida, and getting this done like it's fucking gross to begin with. But if you if that's the type of person you are, do it at your house. You know, be fucking smart about it. So stupid. So stupid. And now this is, what, this is how the guy's basically going to live out his life, is that he's going to be known as the rub-and-tug guy, you know, the owner of the Patriots, this guy that's worth $6.6 billion, 77 years old, and this is what people are going to remember him as. It's fucking... It's, it's, <laughs> it's just... I almost want to say it's kind of just typical. It's like what you would expect from people like himself. You know, like, these guys with just this massive amount of money, they just don't give a shit. Like, they think they're kind of just untouchable and unstoppable. And and, and, and unfortunately, he got caught, or fortunately, depending on which side of the the coin you're on on this one. But uh, let's see how it plays out. He's saying he's denying it. Source came out from the Patriots. He is denying that this was even him. It was not him. But uh, I'm sure uh, transactions and timestamps and everything else will uh, probably prove that it was him.
innocent until you're proven guilty, right? That's how America works. Not anymore. Now it's basically you're guilty until you're proven innocent, uh, especially in the way that the media is and uh, the way that we, we act as our as a country nowadays. But an innocent until he's proven guilty, uh, unfortunately, I think that they uh, the FBI wouldn't have released these names of these guys if there was any doubt that it wasn't them. I think it is, and I think they're... Uh, it's like this big, I guess it's supposedly a much bigger situation where it's like um, human sex trafficking and even beyond just like solicitation solicitation of prostitution. I think it's like, uh, it's supposedly a bigger sting than just this one place in, in Jupiter, Florida. Um, it's multiple of them across the state and there's some other big names that are coming out that are, that are supposedly on this list as well. So should be interesting over the next couple of weeks, see what happens there, but uh, that's my two cents worth. I don't really have much else to talk about around uh, the world of sports in my week or anything else like that, but those were some interesting stories I wanted to get through and talk to you guys about. As always, if you're listening on iTunes, give me a ranking or ranking, rating. Give me a rating uh, or Apple Podcasts, give me a rating. There You can do one through five stars. I appreciate that. That helps the podcast grow. Share this with your friends. Share it on social media. Let me know what you like about the show. And as always, have a great day. Have a great week. Smile. It's important. And um, thank you again for listening. We'll be in touch.